0: It's, if it's not properly structured from a, a COA standpoint, as you scale, you could end up with a situation that say, okay, not only do I gotta have move off of this platform, but now I gotta redo my chart of accounts and then I have to remap this stuff to that chart of accounts to make that change. And you could be you know, creating a situation in the future where you gotta do quite a bit of work to unwind that.
1: Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. A2X is not the name you might recognize unless you are in the Zero or Shopify ecosystem. But they have created a new category of software which seems exciting for e-commerce merchants especially due to the amount of additional overhead you add with each marketplace that you sell on each marketplace and big box retailer are trying to come up with its own business models and sometimes that could require as much admin effort As you would get in managing a physical store the admin effort could include keeping the right levels of inventory in each warehouse in country where you plan to serve your customers and then reconciling that on a weekly basis the only difference between the physical store and the marketplace is that you won't get penalized as often with stores Marketplaces, on the other hand, are likely to have land miles at each step, and tracking that might cost you more than your margins. So, how can A2X help in selling on different marketplaces? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss A2X capabilities we discussed their strength and weaknesses and why it could be a great value add for e-commerce as well as bookkeeping businesses finally we discussed their matching processes chart of accounts methodology and how they maintain the p&l for each channel along with reconciling across channels with that Let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently. And we always have a very exciting panel that is willing to share their insights and wisdom for today. We have a very interesting solution. It's a category in itself. Uh, it's called A2X. I had no idea what they did, but when I reviewed them, it's just so fascinating that it. So it's going to be so much fun uh, discussing all of that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. Uh, I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. I am principal at Elevate Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm and let's talk about reconciling the books uh, using your e-commerce that's what we do day in day out uh, so this is going to be so much fun discussing that uh, Phil, can I move to you for your intro Hi Sam
0: hi Robert hi hey, everybody Phil Kerper with Ringling Business Solutions. We help uh, senior executive management teams align their digital transformation with their core business plans and been through over many decades, uh, many uh, uh, ERPs, many front end implementations on e-commerce and really looking at participating on this one today. So nice to be here.
2: Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. Robert, can I ask you to introduce yourself next?
0: Absolutely.
3: I'm Robert Brown. I am principal of Robert Brown e-commerce consultancy, and I specialize in e-commerce and digital transformation. I've been in digital and e-commerce for 20 plus years and Fortune 50 all the way down to the medium-sized businesses. I help companies try to move through transformation, smoothly from a customer
2: perspective. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Robert. And uh, now we are going to start with our topic. But if you are in the audience and joining for the first time, uh, you know, you should be sending your questions and comments because we review them during the show if you cannot get to get to them. During the show, then, uh, our panelists are going to make sure that you receive your answers. On that note, I am going to brief you guys uh, in the overarching position of the solution, where they fit in the market, as well as in the architecture, which is always my favorite topic. And then uh, we'll open up for a little commentary, and then we'll go through our slides. Um, So, A2X is a very interesting company. They come from a very interesting part of the world called New Zealand. And they have created a new category, and it's very interesting what they are doing. So, they are trying to reconcile or provide the tool for the reconciliation uh, from the accounting perspective of all of the marketplaces. And this is going to be really more towards revenue accounting, I would say a little bit of cogs, uh, but really the direct part of accounting is what they are trying to do. They were mainly present in Zero ecosystem. I believe they are now in QuickBooks as well. And obviously, Shopify is the bread and butter. They seem to be rated really well overall from the user community. I would, and my interest is always to find some negative reviews of the solution. And this is the first solution that uh, we are reviewing after reviewing for what fill maybe 40 50 uh, solutions this is the first one i was trying really hard and there was zero negativity so they have done something really great uh, about this the company is slightly more on a smaller side at this point of time i am i, I think they are funded uh, and i could not track much of the history overall from the investment perspective we are going to review if they have any sort of funding but overall from the architecture perspective Uh, If you look at the positioning of the solution, uh, I would think that there is going to be a place even in the ERP ecosystem. They are not there in the ERP ecosystems yet, Uh, but I can see the need and I have not seen any add-ons that do similar work. Uh, And for the most part, I think everybody is going to rely on either the manual reconciliation or they are going to have a very custom integration built specifically for them. But even then, you still have to invest a lot of time with the reconciliation. With the solution as well, you are going to spend some time, but they are trying to make it far easier overall how the reconciliation is. Uh, so guys, I'll open up for any comments that you guys might have, and then we'll go through some slides and then some more.
0: Yeah, just just a finer point that they, they also list Sage as a partner, which is interesting. I didn't deeper which versions of that or how how connected they are to and they they do bring in costs associated i think what i read is costs associated with the sale so if there's known costs that are associated with the e-commerce sale they'll bring those in but to your point i didn't see anything that said it's a full cogs evaluation. the cost that they can pull down from the platforms that those understand.
2: yeah so there is one clarification that i would like to mention and that a lot of different e e e-commerce vendors do that they typically bucket everything under the Sage umbrella. Sage has at least 7 to 10 different solutions. And from their perspective, they are really in the QuickBooks market. So for them, comparable probably is going to be either Sage 50 Accounting, Sage 100 Cloud. Those are comparable to QuickBooks. They are probably not going to be integrated with something like Sage Intact or Sage X3 or the legacy solutions that we have. Uh, even Sage five hundred, seven Sage 300, ACPAC, I don't think these guys are, are trying to play there, obviously not in the real estate. E-commerce, Sage probably is going to be just maybe 100 or 200 is what is going to be present uh, in the e-commerce space. Uh, Robert, go
3: ahead. Yeah, so what I was going to say is there's pretty much four ways to get data from Amazon to my like QuickBooks, and that's going to be run manual reports. Everybody yeah. loves to do that. And when you're multi-channel, um, you, you start burning a lot of time, and you have to book those in journal entries manually. You know, so you upload them, and then you have to, you know, reconcile them every time you upload them. That takes a lot of time. Um, you can do use an app that syncs all the transaction-level data. Um, that can quickly overwhelm QuickBooks if you're doing a lot of transactions. You know, 100,000 a year. That's a lot of data, and then your report running starts to get really slow. Um, there are apps that will summarize the data um, based on payout dates and post those to QuickBooks, which is pretty nice because you can't reconcile on Amazon. Um, you know what they pay out does not necessarily match up to what you sold that month. And then there's use an app that summarizes the sales fees and payouts on a daily basis accrual um, and then syncs those. So you know let's keep that in mind when we're going through this on how the solution works and. Is it really saving us a lot of time and adding a huge amount of value?
2: Yeah, very interesting commentary there. And I am going to list my concern. And since you already mentioned uh, about this, so I am going to list those concerns now. And Phil, I would love to hear from you, your perspective, to be honest. Okay. So I have never been a big fan of anybody touching my journal entry. Okay. I just don't like it. Okay if you want anything related to accounting you have to go through the regular transactions the more you go through the regular transactions the more traceability overall you are going to have the moment you touch the journal entry you lose everything you have no idea what is happening sure you can track it down if you have a smart accountant like you know phil they can figure things out uh, but still uh, you know it's going to be really hard so typically at least for the revenue centric transactions or the expense centric transaction i like to start either from the sales order or start at least from the bill or from the invoice so you have some traceability and then you are going through the business hierarchy of the chart of accounts the way they are supposed to be done so that you are not bypassing any sort of erp rules here in this particular case obviously when you are going to be on quickbooks you don't have the hierarchy you don't have the way inventory is supposed to work so this is great overall but again you are writing directly in the journal entry, which is something I personally don't like. Phil, I would love to hear from you. Obviously, you have a grown organization, you know, at a very large scale, and I'm pretty sure you have seen a lot of problems when people touch the journal entry.
0: Well, I'm going to come back around to this question at the end because I got some things to learn on exactly how they are consolidating the data and and how it's and and how accessible it is but to to your core point it is not unusual to have the glb summary data and the sub ledger to be where the detail is and then you can drill down from the gl into the sub ledger to see the details that's that's a choice to not bring all of the, all of the detail to the to the full gl but in that example, you have you're controlling your subledger as well. So in this particular example, you're not really controlling what would be behaving as the subledger, which is where all that detail is. So my answer on that, it makes me uncomfortable to say that that's I don't have my hands on that, but I'm not sure I completely understand structure on this, and I'm hoping to learn more about that today. Because to to Robert's point, if you bring if you're bringing all that detail over into a QuickBooks, you also have to set QuickBooks up for that. You have performance potential issues. And with the velocities that and the amount of transactions that some of these e-commerce companies are running at, that is a lot of information. So I, 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 I'm going to say maybe concern, Sam, because I haven't quite seen how that structure is. And me as the user, how much control do I have and access do I have to
2: that? To that detailed information does that help yeah it does help and just to give you a just little perspective in terms of how this is going to work so number one you are not sending any of the detailed insight inside quickbooks so quickbooks is not going to be your primary p analysis so from their perspective they always like to make theirs as the primary system so the P&L that you are going to get from the marketplace perspective is actually going to reside in theirs. so again you know you have data you have the insight but you have to work on this extra system to get the PNL, which is okay. But you are not going to get that in your financial system. And by the way, you are writing just the summary inside the, the GL. So you are going to lose that insight in your finance system, uh, which is. Uh, you know supposed to be your quickbooks that so yeah so that's probably going to be my... we'll come back to so, it
0: so with that clarification you're right to be concerned because we just we just moved where source of yeah, and where the details.
2: exactly and from my perspective the only gl entries i like to see is that is going to be Sort of the indirect transactions that are not primary ERP transaction. You do whatever you want to do, even with fixed asset. I don't have much of them. Okay, if you have five assets, okay, what can go wrong in that? Uh, But when you are talking about the real volume uh, transaction for the revenue and cost, uh, you know, I feel a little concerned. But we'll come back to that. Okay, Uh, if you guys have any other comments, we can take those or we can move to some more slides. More slides. Okay. So as I mentioned, they are from New Zealand, obviously, but they have been doing a lot of business in North America as well. Um, So again, they are positioning themselves as the automated e-commerce accounting for business selling on Amazon, Shopify, Walmart, and eBay in their accountants. So a couple of clarifications there. Number one, the solution is not only for entrepreneurs who are trying to run their business. This is their primary target market is like Sage. It's accountants. So accountants are actually using that. And obviously, accountants are making a lot of money just because of the admin effort. Let's say if you go through the the traditional process of how your ERP processes are going to work, then you don't have to do as much bookkeeping. But in this particular case, you are doing a lot of bookkeeping because you you don't really have that ERP. So, again, if you are $5, $10, 15000000 million business, that may be okay. Uh, but when you grow past that point, your admin cost is going to increase, your bookkeeping cost is going to increase, and then you are moving your source of truth in a different system. So, again, I'm probably going to keep repeating myself. <laughs> well, and on your accountant point, Sam, so
0: that is one of their channels to market. Exactly. They're- you know, so they're they're they've got they've got partners, which there didn't seem to be a lot, and then they have accountants and it's and it reminds you of how Sage originally got going. The accounts would recommend it. Exactly, exactly.
2: So here so for
3: than, So for companies who are trying to self-identify, you know, where they fall in the spectrum, um, we, we can make it easier for them to kind of understand. If you are an e-commerce reseller, not a brand not not a DTC, but a reseller. You know, you you may be doing 20 million a year in sales, but your net revenue is going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars because, you know, you probably have a majority of your sales on Amazon who eats up 30 percent of your margin and you have to buy it from the original brands and your your gross margin might be 45 or 50 percent max. Right. So if your net margin is only a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, let's say two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. You probably do not have a full-time bookkeeper, and you definitely don't have an accountant on staff. You probably have a CPA that you pay for maybe quarterly filings and annual filings. And you know, it's it's that um fractional bookkeeper that may or may not have experience in e-commerce. If you are a DTC's selling 10 to 20 million dollars a year, your margin is going to be much higher. And you probably have a full-time bookkeeper and you might even have a CFO. And it's them that are going to look at this and go, man, this is saving us a lot of time.
2: Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, just to echo what uh you know Phil was trying to say, if you are a bookkeeper and if you are doing e-commerce accounting, this tool is going to help you a lot because you are completing your job far faster. And I don't know how they are charging. Maybe they have a and most of the bookkeeping firm these days have the monthly package. They don't necessarily charge based on hours. So for them, this is pure gold uh, because they can finish their uh, jobs faster. So okay, great commentary, guys. So here, hey, Robert, I think that's a really good maybe
0: uh, refocus of the way you said that, which was awesome because I do think that where you said their primary, you know, the the be uh, the the direct consumer is 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 where there's enough money to have this, but that fractional accountant who's has client has you know, multiple clients that are in e-commerce, to Sam's point, for them, this is a very good product yep. to recommend for their client.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, especially for, you know, I think I saw it's $199 for over 10,000 transactions a month. That's
2: that's nothing. Exactly, exactly, guys. Great point. So here, uh, they are saying New Zealand's A2X accounting is drawing on Canadian terms. Uh This is, by the way, the news that I believe I got either from Crunchbase or Beta Kit. So this is, uh, so they are talking about some sort of collaboration uh, with the Canadian startup ecosystem, uh, and I think the Hubdoc founder has some sort of correlation with the, these guys as well. And Canadian community in general have a lot, uh, you know, accounting presence in general. So here they are saying Canadian talent to help scale its company to Shopify. And obviously Shopify is a Canadian company. So, you know, it has a lot of different companies in their ecosystem, especially from the accounting perspective. Um, So here they are saying A2X automates revenue accounting and they have been very clear. So they started as the revenue accounting, but now they are doing COX as well. I don't know how accurate that COX is going to be. Because when you don't have that ERP costing layer, I don't know how to do costing, to be honest. I always struggle. oh, maybe Phil can teach me how to do that in QuickBooks. Um, So here, revenue accounting for e-commerce. Merchants and large ecosystems such as Shopify, Amazon, eBay, Etsy. uh, And uh, it is complicated to accurately account for your revenue. That is right as well. There are a lot of layers to that accounting and uh you know you can lose a lot of money if you're not doing it properly um i think that's pretty much it for this news now this is how the product looks so it is going to appear similar to how other e-commerce platforms that we have reviewed so in this particular case you the menu structure is going to be okay home settlements and the accounting taxes and then you have the inventory and then cost so they go really deep overall in terms of the inventory where your inventory is in each of the warehouses in each of the countries, wherever you might be selling, so you can get very detailed insights overall in terms of the marketplace. So they are doing a lot of translation for you. When you have to do that translation yourself, those reports are just a nightmare to deal with. To be, if you were to build your own integration, it's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, you know, in integrating with all of those channels, marketplaces. So obviously, there is a significant value in general because you are getting the centralized insight overall from the transaction perspective, and the insight is going to be far more readable, uh, at least based on what I saw, it's far more natural for an e-commerce founder than uh, your Amazon statements are going to be. Those look really scary. So the way their settlements are going to be, I mean, you always are going to get uh, the total, the marketplace, uh, and the integration is going to be similar to how we saw In other cases, which is sent to QuickBooks, and this is Webhooks integration, we all know that how, you know, fragile that is going to be. Overall, in terms of you can write double entries, but QuickBooks, you can do whatever you want. Um, So that's probably not a problem, but the integration is probably not going to be as smooth. But overall, they can do the integration from both ends, so they can get, get all the data from your Amazon, Walmart, Etsy. And then the, uh, they are getting all of the data from QuickBooks and they are trying to create this consolidated p and they are trying to send the summarized insights uh, to QuickBooks just from the accounting perspective that is going to be, okay, summarized. Okay, how much did I get in my chargeback for Amazon? So whatever chart of accounts you have, you are going to get a couple of debits and credits and that's it. So that's how they are approaching this and Phil is smiling. I know why. <laughs> um, now let's keep rolling on this one. <laughs> So So this is how, again, it's a very natural view. Let's say if you are an entrepreneur and you don't really have an accounting background, to be honest, it's much easier. And again, if you cannot afford to have a bookkeeper who's going to cost, if you are doing onshore bookkeeping, the minimum is probably going to be 40, 50, uh, you know, just for the bookkeeping. So obviously it's far easier. Let's say if you are under $5 million, it's it's very, very, very hard. Um, So obviously you are going to get the bank account. But if you look at it, to be honest, I mean, Uh, The way the matching is done, it's going to be similar to how this is going to appear in QuickBooks. So why would you not learn QuickBooks or or Zero? Uh, It's slightly easier overall the way statements are summarized because in that you are going to do a lot more data entry and you need to understand the nuances of how each of the marketplaces work before you can match. So here they are making it slightly easier overall in terms of the matching process. They are doing a lot more auto-match than what you would do, let's say, if you are doing manual entry as robert pointed out or doing the spreadsheet based entry in either quickbooks or zero and then you have to match it yourself yeah i mean the, this
0: screen i thought the screen before this was was a little more interesting because th- this is actually getting you you know the settlements are posted this is amazon in particular the uk amazon page it looks like you know they're giving you all the different things that can happen to Amazon and kind of getting them to one spot for you to manage mm-hmm. and I thought that had some nice value to Robert's opening point that you're doing this somehow anyways, maybe this makes it easier. The next one is a bank reconciliation page, and you're doing that whether you got this or not all right the the mm-hmm. you're you're reconciling your bank check checking a column or bank statements to your QuickBooks or you're reconciling it from this directly into zero. It's I don't see really a savings there. You still have to reconcile your bank
2: exactly, just to be clear, Phil. So here you know, if you were selling on twenty thirty marketplaces, all of those are going to appear here. So this is not really a page from the marketplace website. It's the consolidated feed that you are getting per market inside' and the I was mistaken
0: i'm I'm right up on top where it says amazon u k. I thought that was a string of, you know,
2: dialing into just the Amazon component. So maybe I misunderstood. So so this is, so let's say if you are selling on Etsy or Walmart, so you are going to have another row here, which is going to say, you know, Walmart UK, Walmart CA. Uh, so that's how your feed is going to appear, but you don't have to go to a twenty marketplace to find a feed, so there is some value because you are getting the consolidated insights at one place got it
3: you 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 can actually see a couple of slides further on where they actually show it side by side by marketplace that you're in and it's it's really quite nice,
0: yep. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and there's nothing wrong with this one. You got to do a bank wreck, but I'm just saying there's not much. I don't see much difference having this product or just having QuickBooks. You still got to do a bank wreck So, really, what we're talking about here again to, to help people
3: self-identify when you're in that small, growing e-commerce business, you know, you're going to look at this and go, "I do this anyway. I don't care." You know, I'm trying to save money, and you know, it's the the entrepreneur that's at the small, trying to grow up to the middle size. They're not going to be paying attention. It's the bookkeeper and the accountant that are going to go, man, this can probably save me. You know, sure, this is the same kind of reconciliation that I'm going to do on a regular basis. But later on, some of the other pieces, that's where they're going to start
2: saving hours. I agree, guys. Um, Okay, so here are some more things. So this is going to be the reconciliation process. In my mind, this is slightly more intuitive. So this is going to be a view when, let's say, if the system cannot self-match, but again, self-matching capabilities are there in QuickBooks Zero. Um, You know, these are similar capabilities. If the system cannot match, it's going to recommend, okay, here are the transactions, do something, uh, you know, and then you are going to do something about it. So that's exactly what is the view. In my mind, the way user experience is structured, slightly simpler, obviously. QuickBooks could be frightening, for people who don't understand, account. Uh, you know, but this is definitely going to be slightly. So this is how Amazon looks like. And I know it's not clear, but this is how, uh, you know, your uh, Amazon feed is going to look. So up top, you have the feed from Amazon and it's almost going to appear as if you are getting your bank statement. OK, it's that dry. Even the bank statements are going to appear slightly more interesting than how Amazon appears to be. It's really written from the typewriter. It almost appears like that, right? But I mean these guys are trying to make it slightly more readable. Uh you know, they are trying to match this with your maybe the categories, chart of accounts, and they are trying to make it readable for the people who might not have as much either Amazon background because Amazon could be a PhD in itself. The way amazon works i mean they have their own legislation now uh, <laughs> they have their own terms the way they use oh my goodness so you need a you know amazon consultant for that so here at least you don't have to worry as much uh, you know as long as you are working with this <coughs> so here these are different chart of accounts and i believe this is the view from quickbooks so they recommend some of the chart of accounts the way they like to structure things you know uh, when you start the the system that's when they are going to say you know what these are your 30 accounts that you probably need when you are dealing with amazon walmart uh, you know shopify and they are simply going to create it for you uh, in both of the system and after that the magic is going to happen uh, obviously if you need anything custom then that could be a slightly trickier process uh, it might have the cost associated with that so as long as you are sticking with how they are structuring the chart of accounts um, you might be uh, that's probably cheaper for you if you are a smaller business now this is the beauty i mean i i, I like this a lot to be honest building this uh, in quickbooks is probably going to be trickier. so again when you work with these marketplaces trust me it gets very involved and you really need to understand where your money is and sometimes reconciling that could be a nightmare because literally i mean the way robert described you are making pennies uh, on some of these products and then you are going to be penalized 30 for the transaction you really need to track where that money is and the way these marketplaces are charging they have a lot of different crazy charges so obviously you need to have control on all of that so this gives you a pnl where my assumption is going to be that you are going to have a little bit of traceability that you can go back okay what the hell is happening in my amazon FBA? Why am I seeing $2,000 here when last year it was maybe $3,000 uh, or it was, uh, you know, th- uh, $1,000, but this time it is $2,000. So why is that increasing? So obviously uh, now when you look at this p it's almost like <laughs> looking at the p of your business. You need to understand every single expense and charge. So when you are, uh, you know, selling on 20 marketplaces, you are literally running 20 different business, which could be very involved. Go, Robert.
3: Yeah. One of the things that you need to consider is, you know, what your entire stack looks like now and where you are in terms of your accounting sophistication. You know, a lot of the startups are using cash counting and they're not using accrual and you know, they're going to start bolting on pieces. And, you know, it's only when they hit a major pain point that they say, Oh, what can I do to solve this pain point? Um, we will be reviewing a tool later on in the year. I think in Q4, that tracks this kind of information, this sheet, um, but it doesn't do the really cool consolidations around payments. So you can actually track what Amazon has paid and what the fees are
0: based on those shipments and stuff. Um, so just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I got a couple related comments on this. First of all, first look, this is really great. Yeah, you look at this, you say, okay, I can see the I can see the bookkeeper saying, okay, thank you. You just you know how long it takes for me to get to this page? It's a lot of work, you know, so that's yeah. awesome. But, uh, you know, if if you're just for the the cash accounting, which I would think most people in this space are doing, that opens to the next question, which is how accurate are these really operating income numbers because there's probably not matching of the costs and the sales exactly because they're occurring in different periods. That's why you do accrual accounting for the matching principle, right? Yeah. And the other thing I would say is, are there other expenses that are not being captured on this that are being captured in QuickBooks that also would be impacting this that are difficult to put to a particular line, a particular column on this? So, so there's still some fuzziness of you being able to say, okay, it looks... Right out of the gate, like I'm killing Amazon US. But are there other expenses that aren't matched to that? And are there other expenses in your business that are that could be matched to that to make that number actually more meaningful?
3: You know, there is one that consistently is a big gotcha for a lot of these sellers that you know we haven't seen a solution for yet, um, and that is shipping. So a lot of tools will use estimated amounts based on you know, the, the weight size of the package. And then later on the shipper will determine what the dim, the the actual dim is. And then if there's any surcharges and all those surcharges don't flow back into other systems, they stay within the shipping system. So the UPS, FedEx, you know, USPS, whatever. And so that's where the accrual accounting really becomes important because you need to be able to match up all those surcharges from those shippers back to that shipment to understand did I lose money on that? And am I consistently losing money on that because I'm not shipping it the right way or we're not, we don't have the right address or whatever the case may be.
0: It's a really good one. And that's where a lot, that's where big money is, right? You get you, you yeah. the one where the real money is and look at, at the shipping valuations on this document, right? There ain't, that ain't, that, that's not, that that's like no money. There's no money there. There,
2: there. Where else? Where's the? Where's the shipping cost, right? When you look at this piece of paper. So, guys, you guys are touching on some very interesting points there. And this is where my concern was that you are not going to get full picture. And the point and the concept that you are touching, Robert, is going to be the landed cost. And I'm pretty sure you know Phil knows about it, right? And that is typically the principle that goes in your ERP. And the only reason why ERPs are so complex is because they got so much. But if you need the full picture of your costing and pricing, that's where you are going to see. And you are never going to see that. If you are going to be tracking landed cost, good luck with your bookkeeping cost, <laughs> and, <laughs> because it's going to cost so much just to track your landed cost.
3: And, so and that's honestly where you need uh, an experienced operator to come in and help you understand how to pull the,
0: that data together. Right, because there are two complexities there, right, Robert? One is it's, coming, it's not matched to the period, so you're not getting it at the same time that you're getting the revenue stream. And the second one is it's coming from different um, sources. Yep. So you're having to pull that information from different sources that isn't timed correctly. That makes it a complicated little question to say, how much did I really make this quarter on my Amazon?
3: Yeah. So really, really what ends up happening is, you know, for, for a client, I had to download the Amazon data. I had to download the FedEx data. And then I had to run queries to track shipping, shipping numbers to sales numbers to actually find the costs associated. And. You know, cross reference this giant report, it, it took a little bit of time to actually start figuring out where all the exception cases were and where they were actually losing money that they thought they were making a lot of money on.
2: Yeah, so this is going to be really interesting. And Phil, I'm actually going to have a follow-up question for you. Um, so you mentioned about this whole cash accounting, accrual accounting. So let's say if you're a $5 million business and I don't know how many businesses do the monthly close and I don't even know if that is going to be required Um, To be honest, again, if you are going to be a business, that is. um, So uh, have you seen any five, ten million dollar businesses that are going to be doing the monthly, quarterly close or are they doing close uh, for the whole year? Uh, And just for the taxation purpose, they have to do it. They don't have a choice uh, from the period perspective. So what is the frequency, in your opinion, that businesses should be following overall from the uh, period close perspective? Well, I, I it's hard to say
0: it's size. I think at those size levels, you probably still are in cash accounting, and you might be doing something at quarter. You might be doing a soft close, if yeah, just to see where you're at. But I, I think the the two questions of moving to an accrual accounting system and formalizing your close are absolutely linked because once you once you have an accrual type of system, and let's pick on the freight again. So. I I I I believe that my I've done the analysis that Robert talked about, and I believe my freight on a certain group of sales tends to be X of sales, and and but my actual charges, my actual invoicing for freight is Y percent. So I think my freight sh- is typically ten mil ten thousand dollars for this amount of sales, and I've only been charged for five. So you would accrue $5,000 into the next period. And then you would reconcile that accrual when you got the actual invoices. Yep. And that would keep rolling. So when, when when you move to an accrual system to get more accurate period costs, and as you reconcile that, then you got to do a close or else, or else you, you're not doing the accrual and the reverse on the accrual unless you do a close. Robert, you're probably more deep into the guys that are five to 10 million than I are, but that, come back to that Concept and 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 tweak it if you want for those guys. At what point do they say I really need to have more structure?
3: Right. You know the the, the smaller guys. You know most organizations do some sort of close at least quarterly because they got to file their taxes. Right. Depending on what their what their their organizational structure is, whether it's an right. LLC or a C or an S corp, whatever the case may be.
0: But I call that a soft close because it's yeah. it's to get to the number just close enough so they cannot get upside down on On the taxes that they're paying,
3: right, and i I think most of the smaller guys they just do the soft closes because they they don't have a strong financial individual within the company that's imposing that structure. you know they're they're more operators and entrepreneurial. It's like you know, let me get the product and let me do the marketing and you know i'll I'll hand off the finance stuff to somebody else because it's boring and and time consuming. I think it's when you get larger. Or when you're thinking about selling, um, if you're actually thinking about selling, many brokers will tell you, you know, you need to flip over to accrual because it's much easier to account for everything. And it, it's a more standardized way of, of actually looking at how
0: profitable your business really is. Right. And just just in, in a, as a general term, the difference between book profit. And tax profits, tax profit in general is based on cash accounting principles. Mm-hmm. You're removing the accrual type of impacts and some of the valuation things like you do in depreciation and other things. You're mo- removing some of those impacts in order to determine your ca- your tax burden. So at the end of the year, for all of those guys, no matter how they're doing it, they're turning this whole mess over to an accountant and saying, okay, figure out what my cash <laughs> basis of my taxes are because I got to pay taxes. <laughs>
2: Interesting commentary, guys. Okay, so I'm actually going to cover some more slides and then we can open up for some more commentary. Um, so here, uh, this is how your slides are going to look overall when you are doing this two-way integration. So one side of uh, integration is going to be really from Amazon and the other side is going to be QuickBooks Zero or Sage. So yes, you uh, have Sage here, fellow So I will be a little careful overall in calling Sage because when you are going to have this web hooks integration, I can almost guarantee that probably sage intact or sage uh, x3 as of today might not allow this sort of integration again you don't even have the o- or two uh, authentication uh, your financial data is flying through these fancy HTTP wires and i don't know how comfortable i am personally going to feel working with this company <laughs> to be honest uh, it is going to fly there but typically when you grow to an erp system then you are going to have some sort of o- authentication and that's much harder to do uh you know with I mean, they just don't do enough overall in exchanging the certificate uh, that personally I have not seen in many different systems. They are going to be CRM centric integration where there is no money involved. You can do whatever you want nobody cares (laughs) okay Uh, now this is how your uh, chart of account mapping is going to look this is how the process is going to appear when you are going to be creating the account for the first time so they are going to create all of these accounts so they are warning that you are creating the accounts in zero system and if you have some existing accounts, I don't know how that is going to behave. Uh, but they are overriding some of the chart of accounts. But again, in zero and QuickBooks, it's wild, wild west. So if you have no problem; you can overwrite whatever um, you know. There is no control or the procedures in place uh, in terms of the control. So again, I don't think you are going to have much of a problem um, just because of the flexibility of the service.
0: Yeah, I thought about this one too, and I thought, okay, how are you going to map the chart of accounts? But then I thought for for this type of a business. That they don't, I don't know they care you know they, they you know They. if this is what comes out of the box okay fine that's the way we'll chart it right it's not like a more sophisticated someone who said who's has a particular version of chart of accounts for a reason that they like to
2: report or what have you yeah Phil so I have seen with businesses I mean they all have different ways of doing chart of accounts so I don't know if they are going to be fine with this because in this you are literally creating some new accounts and you don't know how that is going to map with your existing accounts. so there is going to be a little conflict there uh even with these smaller businesses, they have really crazy chart of accounts.
0: Yeah, so if, if they're tied to that, then I then then I don't know what the solution to do mapping is if they're just giving you out of box. But but again, you know, the, the when you when someone is developing a chart of account structure, we would typically start from the reporting they want to see and yep. work backwards, right? Yep. Yep. So it really comes up to how they like to view the business at the yep. end on how it gets reported, how the P and L looks, et cetera. Go ahead, Robert. You had a comment.
3: No, no, no. It's it's you know. There, there's ways to, to create custom chart of accounts, but I agree with you. You know, if you're smaller, you're just going to take the the default setting. It's like, sure, fine, whatever. I don't care. Um, it takes a certain level of sophistication and accounting understanding for you to really appreciate the chart of accounts. And, and quite frankly, some of them really don't matter from an accounting standpoint because you can't change them. Like, you know, the Amazon commission. Okay, fine. You paid five million dollars last year in Amazon commission. You can't sell it unless you pay the commission. So it's... you know. What's the point in, in tracking it?
2: Yeah, but I guess, uh, you know, from Phil's perspective, Robert, so typically, you know, traditionally, if you did the traditional accounting, you would start from your startup account, okay? Yeah. So commission could be an expense, commission could be, uh, you know, could go in many different accounts, you could call whatever you want, right? So that's where you sort of start when you are structuring your business. But here with these systems, these guys typically take very e commerce perspective that everything has to be this way because this is how e-commerce works. This is how e-commerce businesses mm-hmm. operate. So, you know, everybody should be creating these accounts. <laughs> but that's not how traditional businesses operate. That's not how finance folks or the accounting folks operate. They start with chart of accounts. And as Will pointed out, that you start with the reporting the way you want to see your PML. How many different channels are there? You start with your business model. Because e-commerce is typically going to be just one channel. Unless you are completely selling on Amazon, you have your complete business perspective that you need. uh,
3: And, yeah, what's really important is what I, for one customer they didn't understand the the true definition of cogs you know when they said cogs they just thought oh it's what it cost me to buy this item i'm like no it's a much broader topic and so you you know you really don't understand how profitable you are for this product until you understand all the contributing costs that go into cost of goods sold and their accounting didn't support that it took all the resources in one big lump sum and i'm like well i think we can't do that if we're going to start tracking cogs so it, it's important Uh, to understand what chart of accounts you want and what you're trying to report on. But if you get somebody that, that has an existing business that's now trying to overlay finance on them and they don't
0: have a financial officer, taking default settings at least is a good start for them to move forward and this i wasn't sure from this slide sam maybe in your research you saw it on how the out of box chart of accounts work in this particular case but pick on commissions typically you would have you would have commissions and then you would have amazon commissions other commissions you would have you would have sub accounts that were children to that and i can't tell on this structure whether it's like that and that means you could end if, if it's if it's not properly structured from, from a, a coa standpoint as you scale, you could end up with a situation that say, OK, not only do I got to move off of this platform, but now I got to redo my chart of accounts yep. and then I have to remap this stuff to that chart of accounts to make that change. And you could be you know, creating a situation in the future where you got to do quite a bit of work to unwind that.
2: Exactly. And uh, Phil, just to give you a little more perspective in terms of how these guys are treating this, for them, everything is technical APIs. I have got a way to create my chart of accounts and I'm going to write whatever I can. And (laughs) that's how they are treating this. But that's not how the business planning is supposed to be done. (laughs) So, okay, so we'll go through some more slides and then we can open up for some more comments. So this is uh, how their pricing looks. In my mind, pricing is extremely fair, Uh, as Robert pointed out, for the value they are providing, to be honest. Um, you know, it's very, very, very affordable. And uh, in my mind, it's a great tool. Here we have some more and this is how the inventory is going to look. So they are able to do a lot of things more from the month end inventory valuation reports. So Phil and Robert, uh, to give you a little perspective here. So this is how you are going to get the, the value for each of the month. But I don't know if this is a true picture, to be honest, because you don't have everything accounted as part of your inventory cost. So this is a very channel-centric view uh, of your numbers. Uh, this is what you are, whatever Amazon is going to tell you that, okay, this is how much inventory is left. And then you are probably trying to reconcile based on that, based on the, the price and cost that you have set up in this tool. And again, that price and cost is probably not going to the complete cost, the way uh, Robert uh, had pointed out. So this is going to be your month value mm-hmm. and the total units, total SKUs, how many SKUs you have and how many countries you are selling in, you are going to have all of that. And it seems that reconciliation is actually happening in this tool for each of the channel and you have to reconcile each of the channel. Typically, the traditional model is going to be, let's say you are $20, $25 million business. You are probably going to have a virtual warehouse for each of them and then you are probably going to be creating P&L for each of the channels inside your ERP system so that you can reconcile that. Uh, but since you don't have the underlying ERP system, that's why you are going to do this in external, which is not bad. I mean, it's a very e-commerce perspective um, and it might be slightly friendlier for a lot of people who don't have as much accounting.
0: And this valuation that they ha- that you have the first arrow on that, you know, that comes back to, to Robert's uh, definition of COG. So that valuation of inventory valuation is technically a cogs number and 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 that's coming from somewhere but are they calculating cogs on as amazon sees it or are they calculating cogs as a total cost that you have technically put an in inventory on that item and so i i at it, 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 these numbers it may not be a big enough deal but if you're if the um if the company is looking at that and says well how come this report it says i've got Three thousand six hundred sixty-three dollars, and this report says I got twenty-nine hundred dollars. How come those numbers aren't the same? And it's because they're coming from two different spots that may be looking at the cost base. Yeah, you know, one of the things that they they
3: don't tell us with this page, and maybe Sam, you saw it somewhere, is it looks like it's integrating with the accounting program, and it looks like it's it's integrating with um, a number of sales channels, but it doesn't. I am not sure where they're getting. The total units from because you know it's not if we go back to the previous slide you know it says like Amazon EU, Amazon US, eBay, Shopify, Walmart you know is this an FBA number so you know fulfilled by Amazon so these are these are the inventory numbers that are in the Amazon but then what about the Shopify and eBay are you fulfilling through Amazon are you fulfilling through your own warehouse if so where where's that number coming from oh. are are they pulling this information from quickbooks so it's going to say that we're the source and so a2x has it i'm like so I, I need to understand where it's coming from
2: yeah so this is going to be per channel reconciliation so it is going to be let's say if you are selling in amazon amazon is going to be selling in multiple countries and these are going to that they are storing so inventory evaluation is going to be how much inventory they have for you at this point of time that's the view that you are getting you set up your cost in this in this system Okay, that's how you are determining, okay how much inventory value you have. And that's what you are probably going to communicate to your Amazon as well so that they can, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how they are going to, but you have to tell the pricing at least to Amazon. Right. So you are communicating that. And based on that, they are providing you the report and that you are reconciling in this tool itself. So on a monthly basis, Amazon is providing you the statement for the inventory and that you are reconciling. OK, Amazon says in this country I have two. OK, do I have two in my system or not? If not, OK, what happened to that? So you are actually going back and matching up with all of your transactions. So this is the standard cycle counting process uh, that you would have in the ERP. But here it is going to be part channel. But the challenge that you get with channel is because when you sell it to Amazon, Amazon might be keeping uh you know each of the product in multiple warehouses and they are going to report that okay in this country i have the, in this country i have these many skus so that's how they are reporting so this provides you for superior view overall in terms of that okay these many skus i have in this country these many skus i have in this warehouse and this is the quantity so that's how they are doing uh,
0: yeah, if our, that's the case then the and the source for that is just amazon so that's what amazon telling us that their records show then uh the reconciliation of units could be really valuable. And the reconciliation of dollars could be, in my mind, difficult. But uh but it 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 could be a decent tool, at least for you to see, okay, there's something wrong. There's something going wrong here. I'm showing this amount of sales and units and dollars and they're showing that. At least it points you in the right direction.
2: Exactly, Phil. So just to clarify, I mean, from their perspective, they are treating this as the source of truth for inventory data. And they are treating QuickBooks as more of the accounting system that, okay, you know, when I'm done with my numbers, I'll report to you that this is what (laughs) it costs. So
3: so putting on my, you know, uh, merchant hat at the moment. So I've got a a multi-channel tool that pushes my inventory out to the different channels i am an fbm seller fulfillment by merchant not an fba seller and so let's say that i'm using channel advisor okay so channel advisor is connected to my amazon ebay shopify stores and i've got this in a warehouse right and so the channel advisor is going to push out to my channels the available inventory and every time there's a sale it's going to update that inventory and it's gonna keep track of that for me in their very basic inventory tracking module. If, if you're a little bit more sophisticated, you're gonna have a WMS in place. And so it's tracking your inventory. This tool didn't tell us where it's pulling that from because, you know, is it pulling it because it could mislead you, right? Because if Channel Advisor is saying, I've got 20 items available, to sell, then each one of the channels is going to say that I have 20. So if it consolidates all those channels together, instead of me having 20, it's going to say I have 80. So, you know, I'm confused how this is derived.
2: So just to be clear, guys, this is only retrieving the data. It's not writing anything back as far as my understanding goes of the architecture. So Channel Advisor is going to be the... Uh, they are actually going to be pushing the inventory and the numbers, and you know they are going to be sort of the gatekeeper of the, the inventory. But this is only the reconciliation part, uh, you know, more from the reporting perspective. That's what guys are trying to do from the inventory valuation perspective.
3: Yeah, I, I get that. and I'm, I'm honestly, and maybe I'm just being dense. Phil, so
0: tell me if I am. All right, so they're doing the reconciliation, but where are they getting the right? So the only the only I, I had that question on the last side, so. As I understand it from the way Sam explained this, Amazon—let's just use it as—as as just say this is coming from Amazon, this particular report. Amazon says I got thirty-six hundred and sixty-three dollars worth of inventory at, at, in 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 my three P warehouse. Exactly. And and uh, and and one P is different. If you're doing one P, then obviously, you, then to your example, then you're selling direct. So Amazon's holding thirty-six hundred and sixty-three dollars. They're basing that number based on what you sold that to them for. Who knows what other costs are in that or not in that number? So so I don't know how you reconcile that to QuickBooks, because QuickBooks is probably going to say, wait a second, there's other costs associated with that. There could be freight, there could be other fees. And then what do you do if it's wrong? So I I I, I to so, Sam's point, if if you think you got four thousand dollars sitting in an Amazon warehouse and they say you got 3663. You got 3663 because that's the source of truth.
3: <laughs> you know well, this this report is supposed to be the, the the way it's presented. This is a monthly valuation of inventory across all your channels. Yep. Okay. So if I am using channel advisor to push out 20 units per channel, I've got four channels. This can't just be reading Amazon because I, I can select how many are available. each channel. I may specifically tell Amazon I've got zero because I get a higher profit margin on eBay. And so I only have 20 units. If it pulls all four outlets, conceivably, it could say that I have 80 units. And if it's pulling all four units and I'm just selling it on eBay, it's going to
0: say, okay, you have 20 units. So I'm just... Not sure I, I, the yeah. only way I can round that square is or square that circle. I don't know which direction you go with that analogy, yeah. <laughs> uh, is is to say that this that this can't be an allocation process of my inventory across multiple channels, which was that uh, basically one example you gave or or an availability, you know, I want to show all channels I got twenty because any of them could sell one of the twenty. This has to be physical inventory sitting at a third party warehouse, right. But we
3: didn't see so that, that's my point. It doesn't show the integration partners with with a three pl. So is this a custom
2: integration? I mean it's a great report, but yeah. So I think, just I think to we be, raised we just raised to be, some real concerns as are the numbers worth anything, right? Just to be clear, guys, so Amazon is reporting what they have for you at the end of the month, and that is the data that tool is this tool is relying on for the reconciliation. Okay. So they don't really care for what happens during the month? That's where your channel advisor is going to be handy. Here, you Amazon is saying, Okay, this is what I have in the inventory, and you are treating this tool as the source of truth. QuickBooks is not a source of truth because QuickBooks does not even know what Amazon is, to be honest. You are simply sending them some summed up numbers, and you know, Amazon is something inside QuickBooks, but that is not really your source of truth overall, at least for the inventory operation. Here, the source of truth is really going to be this data. Because this is where you are keeping your balance. Okay, Amazon says two. Is it really two? Then you are going to ver- be verifying with the other tools. Okay, what did you do in Channel Advisor? Was it really two? So you are probably doing 20-way match. <laughs> that's how much effort you are putting in in reconciling all of this. Because the more tools you are going to have, the more matching you are going to do, the more admin effort you are going to have.
0: Yep, yep. And, and that's what I meant by it points you in the right direction. It, it, exactly. you're you're getting and 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 remember a balance sheet item which inventory is, is is a period end value it's not like a an income statement item where that it's during where it's, where it's transactions during it's at a moment in time here's what they've got and then you can try to say okay at that moment in time is that what i think i have but that i think it could be a good tool i'm just not sure if there's it, as you're working on trying to reconcile it i don't know what you do if you don't like the number yeah. <laughs> You so we got, we got a couple minutes here, Sam. Do you want yeah, I'm assuming you want you want some some finals. Uh Robert's probably a better one to sum this than I am. I'm learning on this. I thought I think this is really an interesting one. I think the concerns are warranted, but I'm taken by the fact that they don't have that their reputation is good. And again, Robert, if you pick the right lane of the business as they're scaling, this this could really be helpful. And I think you could you could clear up a lot of time wasted by your fractional bookkeeper or your wife or whomever it is that's trying to get these numbers to work and focus on growing your business, I think there's something here that's pretty cool.
3: Maybe Jeff Bezos wouldn't have gotten a divorce because his wife was his bookkeeper for, <laughs> for the beginning anyway, you know? <laughs> um, I think this is a great tool. I really do. I The sooner owners, operators start understanding their numbers, all of them, even the ones they, not just the ones they like. Um, then the better they're going to have an understanding of where their business is. And if this can give it to you easier, great, go for it. Because quite frankly, you, the, the small amount of dollars that you're spending for this, you're, you're saving hours of resource time.
2: Yeah. And that's the other great point. It's very affordable. Yeah, any other short comments, guys? Nope. 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 I thought that was good. All right, guys. So, final commentary from my side so I definitely love the tool there is no question about that for the and the effort that Robert already mentioned mentioned, that uh, the tool is amazing the my concern always is going to be why are you not creating this tool for your account and treat accounting system as the source of truth? When you are five million ten million dollars business, no worries. Uh, you know this is great because you are trying to save as much cost as possible. But when you are going to get to $20, five million dollar business, you need far more insight right inside your DRP system as opposed to trying in an external tool. So make sure you you know assess all of these concerns before you utilize this tool, but I love this tool. Uh, I think the category is amazing. On that note, thank you so much everybody for joining tonight. If you joined for the first time. This was part of our e-commerce series for which we meet every Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We take one vendor or the solution that we review independently. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another topic. On that note, thanks once again, uh, everybody, for your time and insights tonight. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Jacqueline Laufer, who shares her insights into the Shopify POS and the challenges associated with international payments. Also, the interview with Yaz Malas, who shares his insights into the exit readiness strategies for Amazon founders. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word